From Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We're law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts and join us every Saturday evening at 6 on WLUW 88.7 Chicago. For more information about this episode and our guests, please visit our website at thepodvocate.com and check out our social media pages. Nat Cobbett graduated from Loyola in 2020 after spending two years as a member of Loyola's Corboy Mock Trial Fellowship. He began working for the Cook County Public Defender's Office in the Domestic Relations Division in 2021 before moving into plaintiff-side civil rights and personal injury work with O'Connor Law Firm in early 2023. He lives in Chicago with his fiancé and puppy, and in his spare time, works as an assistant coach and adjunct professor for the Corboy Fellowship here at Loyola. All right. Thank you so much, Nat, for joining me. Not Um, a problem. Glad to be here. So let's start off by talking a little bit about how you decided to go to law school? So for me, it was a decision I probably made in high school. Um, I don't have any attorneys in my family. My dad was a middle school teacher. His dad was a priest. And so I knew I wanted to do something service related. I had done a lot of competitive public speaking, which sounds goofy, but I had by the time I was about a junior or senior in high school. And so I knew I wanted to do something where I could be on my feet, where I could be using my voice and potentially my writing um, to do something service related or service adjacent. And through some courses that I had in high school, basically, I was able to determine that a lot of the skills that I had that I wanted to use that I thought I could hone in on throughout my career would lend themselves to me practicing law and specifically me going into litigation where I could be on my feet, be in front of a group, be doing public speaking, arguing, writing, stuff like that. And so it was just kind of a natural combination of skills and interest. And I just kind of ran with that from junior of high school on. And here we are today, however many years later, and uh, it's been working out so far. I love that you framed how you came to law school through the lens of service, because I don't necessarily think that's true of everyone. And that's not um, to say that there's necessarily a wrong way or a wrong path to get to law school. But um, I think that's, that's really significant. Um, And you graduated in 2020 from Loyola. So Mm. just at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, can you talk a little bit about navigating, especially as you said, you wanted to do litigation, navigating, finding a job, finding your first job amidst everything shutting down? So once we got over kind of the initial shock of everything is shut down, everything is remote, we can't be within six feet of one another uh, we started to kind of figure out, and speaking of we as people graduating at that time, we started to figure out that there was going to be a new normal we needed to adjust to at that point, and that hopefully we would someday come back closer to what was normal prior to the pre, you know, the pandemic time. So 
specifically when I was job searching, I knew I wanted to work at the PD's office, uh, PD being the public defender's office, specifically in Cook County. I knew that that was a job I was interested in. I knew that applying for those kinds of jobs, it's a government job. So they only release applications and job openings at specific times each year. So I was kind of just keeping my ear to the proverbial ground and uh, listening through all the channels that I had to try and figure out when those jobs were going to open up. And just kind of knowing that whatever I anticipated my first job or my subsequent jobs out of law school would look like during my first couple of years of law school, by the time I was really applying, we had all kind of come to the, the realization that things were just going to be different and there was going to be a new normal we had to adjust to. And, you know, litigation wasn't going to be completely upended outside of the fact that some of it might be happening remote. We knew that litigation jobs were still going to be out there. There was still going to be a need for people to be in courtrooms, for people to be arguing cases on their feet. The justice system wasn't going to stop just because there was a virus. Um, you know, things got put on pause, things got put on hold, but ultimately it was just kind of a, a delay for a lot of that. So bringing it back to me applying for the job, you know, the only thing that was really different from my understanding of the process prior to when I applied to when I actually did it, obviously everything is now remote. So rather than having us come in person for first or second round interviews or anything like that, it was all Zoom. And I'm sitting in my apartment wondering when I'm ever going to be allowed to go out and do things again and just kind of hoping that the preparation that I had done prior to the making all of that uncertainty would be enough to set me up for success after or during the pandemic times. And fortunately, um, through the connections I'd made and through some of the um, skills that I had honed through, you know, mock trial and advocacy and other things that I worked on in law school, I was able to, to get that job in the public defender's office right out of law school and worked there for about the first 14 months after graduation. So you mentioned that you worked at the public defender's office, which obviously clients um, constitutionally are, you know, have to be able to speak to an attorney and engage with an attorney. Um, so that work doesn't stop during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what your work looked like engaging with clients um, initially for those of us who will be starting our careers, thankfully, um, kind of past that initial shock, um, although the pandemic is still happening. But <laughs> can you talk a little bit about what that looked like for you initially? Definitely. So one, I would say one major positive that I saw come out of the pandemic and the changes that had to go into place when all of the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions began was that systems that for a very long time had been operated one way and one way only were forced to reevaluate and forced to change the way that they were working. And specifically the system that I'm talking about is how attorneys could communicate with clients. Um, within the public defender's office and really within any legal office, the normal practice for most people that I knew was unless you needed some kind of face-to-face -face interaction or, or signature or something like that, scheduling Zoom meetings was the expected norm with your clients. And it was a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot more convenient for a lot of attorneys, especially like public defenders who have however many clients on any given day um, and however many clients we, whose needs we needed to address on any given day, the, I guess, advent of Zoom jail meetings was extremely helpful for me. 
Um, now, my first role in the office, I was really just doing bond court in the mornings. And so those would be in-person interviews. But then I was still doing court remotely, even though the courtroom that I was remotely calling into was physically in the same building where my office was. So that was just kind of a mental, a strange mental gymnastics that we had to work through. But um, I think that it definitely allowed me to schedule more meetings in a single day than I probably would have been able to get through doing it all in person because it is easier and there's a set amount of time ahead of time that you have to schedule those Zoom meetings. So I'd say that was one major change. Um, you know, even with all of the Zoom appearances that we were making for clients or on behalf of clients, clients still have the right to do anything like a trial or like a plea or anything like that. They had a right to do it in person if they wanted to. Um, so if there was someone who that was a particular issue for, we may be able to to work something out where they could come in person and we could handle it that way with all the COVID restrictions that were still in place at that point. But it obviously expedited a lot of that um, just by way of having another option, the system being forced to provide another option for us to be able to communicate with clients and uh, litigate their cases as they went on. Yeah, no, I actually, that's really interesting. And I think that's very helpful to understand that, you know, like um, some of these shockwaves sent through the system actually created changes that were long overdue. Um, but yeah, thank you for that insight. And thankfully, now that's, you know, opened the door for folks like me might have that as a as an alternative um, when we ultimately start working. Um, what specifically, I know you spoke about your, your skills and your experiences before law school, but what specifically drew you to litigation? Was that something you knew you wanted to do prior to entering law school or had you considered other like transactional types of law or other forms of law? So when I first decided or realized or however you want to phrase it, that I wanted to become an attorney, it was really because I wanted to go into public defense work. I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. I wanted to be on my feet. I wanted to be in front of judges. And part of that same class, kind of the interest exploration class that I took in high school, I also got to shadow a public defender. And during that class, I was 17 years old, driving to and from these suburban courthouses that I'd never been to before and just following around a guy who had been working in a suburban public defender's office in Minnesota for, he was probably going on 30 years at that point. And so I got a lot of insight into how the, the system works from a public defender's standpoint. And I just, I, it just clicked. I just kind of knew. Like, I, I wasn't sure whether that was going to be what I would do for my entire life. Obviously, it, it is not at this point. Um, but I knew it was something I needed to do at some point in my life. And the reasons that I needed to do it were, A, going back to that belief in service and that belief that as attorneys, you know, ultimately, we are here to serve the client. That is the whole point of the relationship and the the protections that exist for that relationship. But 
I specifically knew that the best way I could use my skills and the things that I was good at would be in a courtroom, in front of people, using my voice, using my writing, uh, using my abilities to, to that I knew I had at that point already um, to just kind of hone in on them and use them in a very channeled and specific way, that being litigation, practicing in a courtroom, ideally becoming a trial attorney. So you were a core boy fellow, um, or for folks who don't know, that's one of Loyola's mock trial teams. Uh, it's actually a fellowship. It comes with a scholarship. Um, and you were a core boy fellow for two years and you've come back to coach. You were my coach over the last year. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about your experience in mock trial and in law school broadly, um, kind of from the lens of extracurriculars and preparing you for uh, your work today, because even though you said you're not a public defender anymore, you're still a trial attorney um, and doing really important work. Um, so law school is a professional school. Sometimes when we're in contracts or whatnot, we can forget that. But ultimately, law school is a professional school. Um, and so what from your time in law school do you think most prepared you for your profession? Hands down, no question. I know you teed this answer up. It was the mock trial program. The, eh, I cannot emphasize enough how helpful, how insightful, and how ultimately practical the skills that I learned from the professors or coaches or whatever you want to call them that I had while I was on the team it's proven invaluable each and every single day that I've been either a public defender or now as a plaintiff side, personal injury, civil rights attorney. I mean, the, the day-to-day -day confidence, the competence that you learn from people who do it every single day, because the, the coaches we bring in and the professors that we have are day-to-day -day practitioners. They're attorneys who've been in litigation on the criminal side, the civil side, maybe both who have that experience and have the opportunity to work in such a small group with us because the class size is so much smaller on one of those competition teams than it would be in a normal doctrinal class. I, I cannot stress enough how helpful that experience was and has been. Um, you know, I can talk about the public speaking experience I had prior to law school until I'm blue in the face. None of that stuff really mattered until I had coaches who could channel it and until I had coaches who could show me, okay, yeah, sure, you're great at talking. That's fine. This is how you do it successfully, and this is how you win, and these are the, the skills and the qualities that judges are going to look for, that jurors are going to look for, that your clients are going to look for, because ultimately, the way you present yourself, not necessarily your appearance or anything like that. But the way that you present yourself to a judge, to a jury, to your client, that's all anyone in the legal profession knows about you, really. You know, unless your friends outside of work, that is that is your reputation. That is what people know about you. And through the mock trial program, like I said, you know, whatever building blocks I came in with, the coaches and professors were able to focus those and build upon them in ways that I would have never known how to do. And I can see the difference between myself and between other classmates of mine, other you know team members of mine. 
and the folks who did not get an opportunity to try and practice those skills because it shows up every single day in court. It shows up on Zoom calls. It doesn't matter where you're, you know, where you're you're practicing. It doesn't matter what you're practicing. Being able to confidently and competently represent your client and make the arguments that you need to make on any given day at the drop of a hat is a skill that is invaluable, especially if you want to go into litigation, but really just in the legal field in general, from my experience, limited as it may be. Yeah, I, this summer will be practicing with my 7-Eleven for the first time. And I'm so grateful for my experience in mock trial for the last year, uh, if for no other reason than it's lessened some of the fear of standing up for my first client. I, It's quite frightening to think that, especially for the first client, to think that I, you know, will be advocating for someone. And that's a, that's a, quite a burden to carry. So I think that knowing I'll go into that, having done trials, <laughs> essentially mock trials, um, is a lot more, uh, comforting. So speaking of my experience on mock trials, something I noticed frequently is that our judges during our competition would say that the trial the trial attorney is a dying art or litigation is is dying and they were grateful that we had chosen to pursue litigation um what do you think they mean by that I think they mean two things one is maybe less what they mean but maybe just what I interpret that that comment because I've heard it a lot too. Um, I think the part of it is the inevitable feeling of previous generations that current generations and future generations will never go through what they went through and will never experience what they experienced. And while obviously that is objectively true in some sense, there is also some, uh, how should I say, condescending coloration that may be given to our future experiences or our own experiences from those generations past and knowing a lot of the judges of these competitions, that may be what, uh, where some of that is coming from at least. But I do think there is something to be said for, you know, the numbers that I heard when I was in law school and don't quote me on this because these are not going to be accurate, but it was something like at the time, and this would have been pre pandemic, something like 95% of criminal cases settling prior to trial and something like 97% of civil cases settling prior to trial. And so litigation in the broad sense of the term is always going to take place in those cases, whether they settle prior to trial or not. But as far as the dying art of being a trial attorney, you know, there may be some truth to that. And I think especially now that we're we're in this post-COVID Zoom world, people are less willing to go into court in person for a trial than they would be previously. And I think that some of that may pressure even more of those five to three to 5% that were still willing to take their cases to trial, either civil or criminal. Um, I think that there is something to be said for the fact that people are less willing to come in public, to do things in public and to, you know, even argue their own rights and their own case in public. That being said, there are still, so many cases, and you can just ask my schedule, so many trials being set every single day in every part of the country. 
And that's not going to go away unless, you know, there's a wholesale change of how we do this whole judicial system thing. Uh, I, I don't see the art of being a trial attorney going away anytime soon. I think that we're in good hands with the folks that I've seen, you know, competing with my team and competing against my team. Um, and I think that, you know, as long as we've got people who are still interested in it and you've still got clients to represent, litigation isn't going anywhere and the art is still going to need to be practiced. So you've come back to coach uh, on the core boy team at Loyola amidst your immensely busy schedule, uh, both being a public defender and now being a plaintiff's attorney, trying to schedule all of these backlog of trials. Why take some of your precious free time to coach? A couple of reasons there as well. Um, first being, I love coaching and teaching and the idea of being able to pay forward some of the skills and the time that other people have invested in me. I love being able to invest that in other people and in other students. And, you know, even though some of my, my students on the team may be older than me at times, uh, it, it's nice being able to you know, at least feel like I'm I'm paying forward some of the generosity and grace that was given to me when I was a student at the time. Um, part of that, I'm sure, comes from my dad being a teacher and grandfather being a priest and not being able to break that cycle of wanting to teach and, and mold the youth of tomorrow, I guess. Um, but it's also just fun. And the skills that we're teaching are skills that we use day to day. And the skills that I'm trying to impress upon students in a given practice are skills that maybe I go back and, and in my own practice and using or working on the next day in court. So it's a combination of selfishly wanting to continue honing my own skills by teaching what I, what little I know to other people. Um, and at the same time, feeling that there is, you know, to some extent, an obligation to the program and to the people who did the same for me when I was in that position. So as students, this podcast reaches students in all stages of their legal education, um, pre-law students, all the way up to three L's so and beyond. <laughs> but we have so many opportunities in law school, journals, jobs, competition teams. Why should a student consider either trying out for a mock trial team or taking a trial advocacy class, especially maybe if they hadn't considered going into litigation or hadn't considered being a trial attorney? What are some other positives if that's maybe not the path that they're considering? So for folks who have never considered litigation before, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to at least take some kind of advocacy class where you have to practice the skill of being on your own in front of a judge, maybe in front of a fake jury, and just practicing that skill. Because at some point in your legal career, even if you're a transactional attorney, you will be called into court. And none of your doctrinal classes, none of your bar prep is going to prepare you for what it feels like to be standing in a a suit or otherwise in front of a judge in a courtroom by yourself talking. And the only person's voice that anyone can hear is yours. Uh, that skill needs to be practiced. It needs to be worked on for anyone who wants to become an attorney, period, for, in my opinion. 
Um, you know, you may only use the skills when you're talking to other attorneys on the phone, but those argument skills that you learn are going to pay dividends no matter what kind of law you go into. Now, specifically for folks who want to become litigators, trial attorneys, et cetera, same thing applies. You have to practice those skills. Even if you think you've got all the natural talent in the world to do whatever career, whatever field, whatever kind of litigation you want to go into, until you have had an opportunity to practice your voice, to practice your argument style, all of those things, you are not going to be able to as effectively argue on behalf of your client unless you've had an opportunity to practice that. And I sound like a broken record, but in law school, there are very limited opportunities to practice that and very limited opportunities to get any kind of feedback or reflection on your ability to do those things. Say you take a, a practicum or some kind of hands-on in-person learning experience where you're learning from a practitioner, they may just be so focused on you getting results or getting projects done or getting, you know, documents finished or something like that, that they may not have the time to focus on and really reflect on the skills that you need to be an effective orator, to be an effective attorney in a, in a courtroom. So long story short, whether you know you want to go into litigation, whether you think you might, whether you have no interest, the programs at Loyola, the programs at any law school for advocacy, for mock trial, for any of the above are going to provide you with more opportunities to really improve the most important skills for lawyers that you otherwise get almost no opportunity to work on during law school. And just to close this out, as a recently graduated Loyola alum, I'll still say recent, even though it was, it's only been a few, <laughs> it's been a few years. I appreciate it. <laughs> what advice would you give a law student about to graduate? Do not be so concerned with your first job that you forget what got you into the legal profession in the first place. And do not be so caught up with your first, first role out of law school that you forget what it was that brought you to law school initially. Um, you know, obviously I've moved on from being a public defender at this point, And I knew that I wasn't, I, I knew going in, I wasn't going to be one for my entire life. That was for sure. I wasn't sure how long I would stay at the PD's office, but knowing that your first job is probably not going to be your only job in the legal field. Very few of us are lucky enough to find a job right out of law school that we decide to keep for you know, 30, however many years we're practicing. Um, but know that going in and know that, you know, maybe your first job isn't going to be the one that gets you exactly where you want to be 10 years down the line, but it's a stepping stone at the very least. And even if you do find that job that you want to stay in, that you love, maybe it's just not the right time or the right place, or maybe the money's not right because we all know right out of law school, we all have debt. 
unless we're very, very, very fortunate, the vast majority of us have debt coming out of law school. And so, you know, you got to be able to protect yourself as well. And one thing that, you know, some family members of mine who are not attorneys made very clear to me when they knew that I was becoming a public defender is they're like, hey, you know, you can only help other people if you have the ability to help yourself when you need to as well. And that doesn't mean that, you know, anyone should forego certain jobs because the pay isn't what they want right away. Try it. Try the job. See if you can make it work. See if you can make other things work on the side that will allow you to continue your passion if that's what the job you get right out of law school. And if it's not, don't forget about it. Don't forget about the jobs that you wanted when you were still coming out of law school thinking about that would be my dream job. That would be the thing that I want to pursue. Don't forget about those just because you get into some job where you're, you know, you've got your nose to the grindstone 24 um, seven. So I think that would be, that would be my big piece of advice. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nat. And thank you for all of your wisdom over the last year as my coach. I highly encourage anyone to try out for, uh, well, the tryouts for this year have closed, but for the next year's uh, mock trial teams, um, it's a great opportunity. Or again, if not, to take a trial ad class. Um, Thanks again, Nat. Thanks for having me, Casey. I appreciate it. That's all from all of us here at The Podvocate. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station, broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors-in-chief are Christy Paredes and Marissa Polowitz. Our associate editors are Neka Ugu, Marcus McNeil, Andy Vandenbush, and Casey Callahan. Special thanks to Professor John Dane and Dean Stephen Russian for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been The Podvocate.